Amen. Appreciate y'all being faithful to the house of the Lord this morning. The pastor's away, so we're kind of getting things in order. Appreciate you being patient with us. Pray for Scott now as he sings this morning for us. Sing. 
Just love of Jesus, sing His mercy and His grace. There we go. In the mansions, bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing. Shout the victory while we walk the pilgrim pathway. Clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sign. When we all get to heaven, what a day. streets of gold when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus we'll sing and shout the victory if you know you're on your way to heaven this morning say amen right there Appreciate uh, Brother Jimmy, Miss Ashley being here with us today while the pastor's away, Miss Renee's away. Every time he leaves, he takes a piano player with him, and uh, I just don't know about that. <laughs> Pray for them as they're away on vacation this week. They're away with family, and uh, they're there at the Outer Banks enjoying some time of rest and relaxation. Brother J.T. Cobber, wants you come on up here and pray for us this morning? As he's making his way, let's be in prayer for a few folks. A lot of people here at our church needs prayer and uh, just remember uh, Rebecca Roar she had a little episode yesterday with some seizures so pray for her remember brother Jim Hall as he's uh, trying to recuperate from his pneumonia he is back home let's do pray for those remember all of our shut-ins those who's not able to be here with us today and let's pray for our services today I hope when you came in the doors this morning you laid all your cares and things aside come to hear from heaven this morning I pray you just pray for the services the song service preaching as well those things to come brother JT come pray for us this morning brother Our Heavenly Father, we thank you most of all for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, your great love for us. You're our love and you're rich in mercy, Father. And we thank you that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, thank you that you promised to save every person who will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. You said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For those of us are saved, we thank you this morning that our names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life are no longer condemned to die and burn in hell for all eternity. And all of our sins have been washed away by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, this morning that one day the time's coming, either by physical death or rapture church, you'll call us home and we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forevermore. We thank you for this day and your blessings to us, for the privilege to be in your house today. Father, we know that every nation in this world does not have this freedom that we have in this country. We just want to thank you for the privilege to be here today and say it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And we ask your blessings upon our services today that each part would honor our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that you would lead in the song service this morning, that it would honor our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And 
We pray for Brother Ken as he comes to preach the precious word of God to us that you'll just lead him by the Holy Spirit, empower him, open his mouth to speak the words you'd have him to speak and let your word go into ears and hearts today. And Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would seek out and save lost sinners today, not only in this service, but everywhere the gospel's preached, that you would speak to the hearts of your children, that we would grow in grace and knowledge of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that sins would be confessed, hearts would be revived. For each name called out this morning is being sick. We know that you're a great God. There's nothing too hard for you to do. And we pray that you'll touch their bodies and heal them if it be your will to do so. And for those that have been sick or better now, we thank you for that. We pray for our pastor and his family as they're away on vacation, that you'll just build a hedge around them and keep them safe and bring them back safe. Again, we thank you for your great love, giving your son to die for us and saving old sinners like us. And Father, again, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would seek out and save lost sinners today. Father, thank you for the privilege of prayer, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all pray for the choir now as we do a couple numbers. Brother Jim will be singing sweet things.
appreciate that song this morning. Also, ask Miss Ashley if she'll come sing one for us this morning. God's been good. You know, no matter what we go through in life, we can always turn around and look back and say, you know what? God's been good. All of us have been through hardships and trials and testings. And, and as we go through it, though we don't enjoy it, God's always made a way for his children. And every time we're going through something, we can always say when we get to that other side, you know what? I don't quite understand it. God's been good. Pray for Miss Ashley now. She comes and sings for us. God's been good. Yeah. 
to the house of the Lord this morning. Go over a few announcements before we move on along with the service. We'll have the kids come up this morning. I'm going to need somebody to volunteer to do the money buckets for me, though. Appreciate it, brother. <laughs> you got volunteered. You just wasn't watching. <laughs> Make yourself available to our uh, Operation Christmas Child thing we're doing with the quarters. If you'll take one of these pill bottles, fill it up with quarters, we'll have $11 to help with the shipping costs this year on Operation Christmas Child. And our goal this year for our church is to have 200 boxes go out. And I think that's very attainable for the size congregation that we have. So make yourself available to that. We have uh, the pill bottles are in the back. As you're heading out, those doors are also over here in the side vestibule as well. Also, let's make note for um, this coming Wednesday, May 23rd, is going to be our last Awana service. So pray for those services there. Then on the 27th of May on a Sunday night, we're going to have the Awana graduation as well. Then on Sunday, June the 3rd, we always like to honor our graduates, whether it's a high school, college, whatever it may be. If you would like to have a table set up so we can see some of your pictures and laugh at you and ooh and ah over some things, uh, we'll have them set up across here as always. You can see my wife or Miss Leanne to take care of that as well. Then on the uh, 16th of June, we'll be having a Cornerstone graduation here on Saturday night for the uh, college here at the church. Then also on June 23rd, don't forget, please make yourself available to that if you can, our SAGBC golf tournament, that uh, all the proceeds go to our teens and as they're raising money for teen conference. If you're willing to sponsor a hole, please, um, please let one of our teenagers know so they can get the uh, whole sponsorship put in their name. This year we're doing a little something differently. If they, if they bring me the whole sponsorship themselves, they get uh, 50% of the proceeds there and the whole, the whole sponsor is $100, so they get $50 of that. That's a great way to raise more money there. So please make your child available to that if you have that opportunity. And uh, we'll need lots of help that day as we usually have a pretty decent turnout there. And uh, looking for the Lord to bless there at Beaver Hills Golf Course on June the 23rd. Then also remember Teen Conference coming up June 25th through the 29th there in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. The cost is $300 per person and must be paid prior to departure. Money is needed for uh, lunch each day and then uh, some spending money as well as you're there in Gatlinburg. And also for the ladies who are interested in signing up for the Women's Mountain Retreat, August 23rd through the 25th, you need to sign up today to make sure that uh, we'll uh, have your name there and you'll have a room set aside 
Looking forward to all these great things. Like being in a church where things are happening. Amen. Appreciate your faithfulness to the house of the Lord this morning. All right, kids who are going to children's church, junior church, you make your way on up here this morning. We'll be coming around receiving money. And uh, Brother Cameron's going to take care of that for me this morning. going in children's church, junior church. All the boys and girls, come on down. Amen. All right, fellas, if y'all have y'all come down, we'll receive this morning's offering. While they're coming, Brother Jimmy's going to sing a song for us this morning during our offering time. I told him while he was here, we was going to put him to use. And I sure do love it when they come back and be with us for a little while. Enjoy their fellowship, friendship. You know, uh, we usually cut up and carry on and have a good time. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray now that you'd bless this offering. God, use it to your glory. Father, we thank you, Lord, just for a time we're able to give back to you because you've given so much to us. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. began to walk with the Lord 
I did not really trust him. How he longed for me to understand that I could. So through the valley he led me felt his loving arms embracing me how could I ever doubt this God whose hand holds the universe amen how could I ever question his ability? You see, there's no place that I can go where he doesn't know exactly what I need. He's always with me and sing this. I've been through enough to know it'll be enough for me. For he's come through so many times that puts my mind at ease. And I'll stake my very take care of me. He already has. Amen. Oh, Lord, I've been through enough to know he'll be enough for me. Oh, I believe him now after all these years. He's been faithful and proven to be
He's come through so many times. Can I have a witness? That puts my mind at ease. Oh, I'll bet it all that I'll stake my very life. He's going to take care of me. For I've been through enough to Brother Jimmy, and I said, while you're here, I said, y'all go ahead and sing two or three before we get into the message this morning. Y'all can be turning to Matthew chapter number 26, Matthew 26 this morning, while they're preparing to sing a few more. I appreciate their testimony, appreciate their love for the Lord. Y'all pray for them now as they continue to bless us in number of songs. Let the words of these songs speak to your heart. Music was, a, was made to touch our soul, to prepare us for what God has in store for us. Allow God to prepare your heart before we pull up to the table here in just a little while. And look into his word. Pray for him now as they sing. You, know, you guys know us, and we, I don't think we've sang a song that you haven't heard. And so when we come and sing, I feel like it's just a repeat. We want it to be fresh. But, you know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. All we need is a fresh touch from the Lord this morning. And uh, you've heard this song. Uh, I don't know why in this gear, in this mode. Um, uh, the, you know, the devil always fights before church. You, you can rest assured if all three of your kids are fussing and fighting and screaming and yelling, I think the Lord's wanting to do something in church. And I think the devil's trying to rob you from a blessing. And uh, all three of them kids, matter of fact, we come up with a great idea this morning. Instead of putting the girls together in the back seat, Brother Ken, we put Winston's car seat in the center, separated the girls it was the worst. <laughs> it was the worst decision we ever made. It was. It was bad. They were reaching over Winston. Winston's hitting the girls left and right. And so we had to pull off the road a couple of times and straighten them kids out. Can I have an amen? And uh, and it still didn't help. <laughs> so so when we got in the church parking lot, I said, "How you doing, brother Jimmy? I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. <laughs> Woo! Today's wonderful." And so uh, we don't come pretending this morning. We're just as real as they come and. And, uh, and it's transparent, and what you see is what you get. And, uh, uh, but, but I know by talking to Pastor, and um, I wish Brother Tim Hilbert was here this morning. I've been wanting to see him. I know they've been going through a hard time. And uh, I was told a while ago, Brother Ken said he's doing good. Said he can't even tell he's had a stroke. And I'm like, wow. And uh, made me tear up inside just to hear it. And somebody is sitting here this morning. You're going through a storm. Uh, Maybe you just came out of one. You're on the tail end of one. Sometimes the tail end of the storm is worse than being in the storm. But you don't see the next move, your next step. You're just confused. 
can I just, just reassure you again, God sees it from both sides. He's got this thing figured out. And I want to ask you this question again. I've asked it before. If God does know the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, we're, you know, we, the Bible says we can't please him unless we have faith in him. And I encourage you this morning just to rest it in the arms of Jesus. He knows what's going on. He knows where you're at. And he knows exactly where you're at this morning. And I uh, hope this song's a blessing. As a storm raged, hold on, I've got this thing transposed. As the storm raged about them, the disciples were afraid. Though the waves were high, the ship was tossed. They couldn't find their way. So they awoke the master, saying, Lord, please save us now. He rebuked the wind, the sea grew calm, and they all, they wondered how. God sees the storm from the other Side. Yeah. He knows the lessons learned, and just beyond the clouds, he sees clear skies. He speaks peace to the raging storm when peace could not be found. He already sees the rainbow when we see. Oh
when we see only clouds. I want Ashley to go back and sing that second verse. Like the man on the sea did, I have called on God in prayer. When it seemed to me all hope was gone, and in my deep despair, I remembered what the Lord said when he calmed that troubled sea. And I know what's more how he sees my storm and peace They want to try a new one on you this morning. Well, we, we can't find the words on it. Yes, uh, Jesus. My friend Cindy Coble wrote this song. I think we did it one time for you. Uh, Brother Eddie, when I was in high school, I never I never signed up for any ball teams because I was afraid of losing. And so I thought, if I don't join it, I'll never lose and nobody make fun of me. That was just my philosophy. Now, looking back, I was a coward. I should have just jumped in there and done it. But uh, in all my life, the devil just put all these thoughts of, you know, you're nothing. You're a nobody. Nobody cares for you. Why even try? And just all that suppression and, and depression and born with my dad's a drunkard, mom with mental problems. And he had me convinced I was a nobody. I never thought for a moment that God would ever use me in any way at all. And I remember when we started going to church, that preacher started taking us, picking us up at our house and taking us to church. And, and long story short, you know it, me and my brothers got saved the same day. And God placed us in his family. We became on the, we, we joined the winning side. 
And um, and I'm glad the morning I can report to you this morning that I am on the winning side. And uh, and no matter what the devil tells you, if you're a child of God, you're on his team, you're a winner. Amen. And uh, y'all ought to shout about that. I said you're a winner if you're on God's team. Amen. And uh, and I love the words of this. God holds the world in the palm of his hands. And he holds the seas back from the land. And he made a place for the stars to abide. It's good to know that he's on our side. us. Amen. What can separate us from the love of God? When all hell comes against you, there's a place you can hide. Run to the Lord, for He's on our side. They would not bow the music was played priesthood condemned they were bold unafraid as they walked in the flame the king stood and cried he said I see a fourth man and he's on their side your place in Matthew chapter 26 this morning. <clears throat> I was looking around the crowd this morning. Is Miss Debbie Stone here? She's not here this morning. I remember uh, it, was, it was a while back before uh, Miss Nell Stopey went on home to be with the Lord. That was uh, Debbie Stone's mother. She was uh, sitting there telling, I think we'd, we'd went over there to do something for them at their house. And, She's sitting there telling us that, uh, said, had it not been for your testimony, brother, brother Jimmy, said, had it not been for your testimony, 
She said her husband would never would have went to heaven. It was one of the first times you came here and sang, and you really poured your heart out. And I remember being here in the service. I mean, it was tears of flying. People was hitting altars. And, and uh, Brother Stolpe, he came forward and received Christ as Savior. She said it never would have been, never would have happened had you not been open and shared your heart that day. So I'll share that with you, brother, this morning. Appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord and your heart for the Lord. And uh, always a big help when you come around, and I appreciate it when you have the opportunity to serve the Lord with you. Kind of lighten the load just a moment before we get into the Word. A blonde, redhead, and a brunette were <clears throat> all lost in the desert, and they was traveling through the desert one morning, and as they was walking there, the heat was getting hot, and one of them all of a sudden seen something a little shiny there in the, in the ground, and one of them ran over and found an old lamp. She picked the lamp up and began to knock the dust off of it, and wouldn't you know it, poof, out of the lamp comes old genie. He comes out of, the, out of the lamp, he said, stretching, oh, man, I've been in there a long time. He said, it's three of you. He said, I hate to do it this way. He said, but all of you only get one wish. So they began to think, and just automatically the brunette says, well, I want to go back home. Poof. She goes back home. She's out of here. Redhead says, well, I want to go back home too. And poof. She's gone too. All the blinds left, and he said, all right. So what's your wish? She said, I sure do wish my friends were still here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know some people like that? <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> it's about 20 to 12. I just don't want you looking at your clocks. About 20 to 12. I'll try our best to have us out by midnight tonight. <laughs> nah, I'll try my best to have us out here at least by quarter after. I've got something that's on my heart I want to share with you this morning. It's a, it's a message I carry around with me all the time. I keep it in my Bible, and uh, it's one I've, I try not to preach very often, uh, maybe once every three or four years or something like that. And As I was trying to prepare my heart for what the Lord would want for us to have this morning, I, uh, I was praying to the Lord and saying, God, I've been reading this book and been doing a study on this. Maybe, I'll, maybe you'll help me prepare a, a message for this. And I'd, I'd try to think up some thoughts about a, an outline or something, and it just wasn't happening. And I, Friday, I was riding around and was thinking about, Lord, what in the world are you going to have me to do? I said, I'm going to be up late Saturday night trying to prepare something for Sunday morning if you don't you know, step in. And, and uh, he laid this heart back on my, he laid this message back on my heart again. And I want to share it with you this morning. And I don't know who needs this this morning. I even tried to talk myself and God out of it. But uh, I want to share this with you today. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse number 45. <clears throat> Appreciate you turning. That's a beautiful sound hearing those pages ruffle. Verse number 45 says, Then he cometh to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves, from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whosoever I shall kiss, the same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, and struck a servant of the high priest, and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into, this, into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. 
Pay attention to verse number 53 this morning. It says, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In, the same hour, in, the, in that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are you come out against us as a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you laid no hold on me. But all this was done that the Scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Our text verse this morning will be verse number 53. He said, Thankest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. Heavenly Father, help us now as we look into your word. God, I pray, Lord, you'd move me out of the way. God, speak to me. Speak through me, Lord, and use me, God, as your mouthpiece here today. God, I don't know hearts, and Father, I don't know what people have been through this week, and I don't know what people are facing. But God, I pray, Lord, if someone in here needs some help, God, I pray, Lord, you give it to them. God, for people who need encouragement today, Lord, God, I pray, Lord, you give it and send it their way. And Father, for that one in here that may not know Christ as Savior, God, when all things are said and done here this morning, God, I pray, Lord, the Holy Spirit will have convicting power here today, Lord, and you'll touch that heart that is closest to hell today, Lord. And may we see them come down this old, this old aisle, down to this old-fashioned altar, and be shown through the Word of God how they can know Christ as Savior. God, I thank you, Lord, for the day that you saved me. God, I, I think of it often. God, oh, how you loved us. God, I pray, Lord, you meet with us here today. Father, it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Twelve legions of angels. He said, Thinkest thou not that I can now, cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. That legion is a military term. It means at least somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,000 or more. Twelve legions. I know you know how to do math. Twelve times six, seventy-two. Seventy-two thousand. We're not talking about a supernatural force, so to say, this morning. Though the Holy Spirit is probably the biggest supernatural force that we'll ever see in our life before we get to heaven. But what I'm talking about this morning is a force that, human, humanly speaking, we all possess in here today. It's a force that we all have the opportunity to, to behold, to, to use, to possess. It's, the, it's a force that's probably more powerful than anything else that we'll ever see. And it's the power of restraint. The power of restraint this morning. In verses 52 through 54, we see that then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into its place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. He says again in our text, Thankest thou that I cannot pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled, that thus it must be saved? In this part of the Scripture, we know that it's Peter standing there with a the sword. Anybody that's read the Bible enough knows that Peter's there. Peter was a little bit of a hothead. If it came to his mind, he was going to say it. He was one that would just automatically go to action. He pulls out his sword, and, he's, and he cuts off the high, one of the servants of the high priest, who happens to be Malchus, he cuts off his ear, but I had never been around anybody. He said, you know what, buddy? If you don't be quiet, I'm going to cut your ear off. I think Peter was going for the head. I don't think he was messing for the ear. I think he was aiming for the head, but just that guy probably done a number like that and swiped his ear off. But he cut his ear off. Jesus said, wait a minute now, Peter. You're going to have to put that sword back up. You need to put it back in its sheath. It's no time for this. The hour is at hand. He said, all these things must be so the Scriptures may be fulfilled. You know, it's no... Anybody that's been, uh, when I've had the opportunity or heard me preach, especially the teenagers, know my favorite Bible character to look after, study after, is David. I love to study the character of David and all that he meant and all that he done and his life and those things. You know, David had an amazing life. You know, and I know when he got to his midlife crisis and he made, a, he made some mistakes and he done some things wrong and he, and he got them right when, he was, when you're talking about all the years with Bathsheba and, and everything that portrayed there. But I want to take 
maybe your imagination with me this morning. Can I just ask you on, on my behalf to use your imagination with me? And I want to go for just a little while this morning, and I want to go to an interview with David. I want to take an interview this morning with David, and we're going to ask him some questions. And if you'll use your imagination, he's going to answer them back with us this morning. We're going to interview David. But the David that we're going to interview this morning is not a young David. We're not going to talk to the one who was a shepherd boy. We're not going to talk to the young teenage boy who faced the giant Goliath. We're not going to talk to the David who led many military campaigns and conquered many things and, and conquered the Philistines and Ammonites and Edomites and all these ites within the Bibles. We're not talking to that David this morning. The David we're going to sit down and have our conversation with is a very old David. He sat on the throne for the last time. Maybe he's wore his last crown. He's not hurling spears and shooting javelins and slinging stones anymore. He's old, he's got gray hair, and he's got a long beard. And he's getting close to leaving this world. We're going to take the opportunity to have, to have a, just a conversation with him and ask him a few questions. <clears throat> he's fought his last battle. As I walk up to David, I say, David, I would like to interview you in front of these people today. I'm sure he wouldn't mind. Now, David, you fought a heap of battles in your days. The battles you fought were many and successful. Now, as an interviewer, I would be, now, David, which one was probably your most successful battle, if you would say? And as I want him to give him the opportunity to get the answer out. Was it the Philistines? How about the battle you had with the Edomites or the Moabites? Or how about the battle you had with the Syrians? Or how about the great final victory you had over the Ammonites? Or how about the revolt of Sheba? David, just what battle was it? David, which one was it? Which one was your greatest victory? I can almost see an, an old David as he kind of maybe pulls up his chair and maybe he begins to kind of do a number like this as he hits rewind. He starts to think back on all the success that God has allowed him to have in his own life. And he begins to ponder and recollect on all the great battles. And while he's thinking, I carry on with a barrage of more questions. David, what was your highest hour? Was it when Samuel came by and, and anointed you among the sons of Jesse and anointed you king one day to become king of all Israel? Was that your greatest and finest hour? Was it when God gave you the great victory over Goliath and you were able to deliver the people of God and the land of Israel from the Philistines? That Surely that had to be your highest hour. And then I just keep on going through the excitement. No, I bet it was when, when you stood over Goliath and took his own sword and chopped his head off and took it back to the king to have it taxidermied so you can hang it on your wall. That was probably your highest hour. Or was it when you came back and all the ladies and children began to sing, Saul is slain his thousands, but David is tens of thousands? Was that your highest hour? No, maybe it was when you, you, was such a, you and Jonathan had such a friendship that your hearts were knitted together and you were considered to be inseparable. Was that your highest hour? David, what was your highest hour? What was it? What was your greatest victory? Or was it when you returned home? When you returned home with the ark and you was out in the middle of the streets carrying on and, and, and dancing and having a time and shouting and, and just having a spell and running around and you looked like a fanatic and your wife said you was a fool acting like a nut out there. Was that your highest hour? When the ark returned home from the Philistines. I can still see him as he's more interested in the questions I'm asking and he begins to stroke his beard maybe. It's taking him back in time with these questions. He thinks for a few moments before he speaks. Then David comes out with a profound statement. He says, I think the greatest victory that I had in my life was against Saul. Now as a reporter, I'm looking for battles. I'm looking for blood. 
I'm looking for sweat and tears and, and fighting. And I want some excitement so I can write it out in my report. Wait a minute, David. King Saul. Yeah, I think that was my highest hour. You never fought King Saul. What do you mean it's your greatest victory? You mean to tell me that the greatest victory you ever had against a man was one that you never fought? That's a greater victory than those battles that you fought against the Ammonites, the Moabites, the, the Amorites, the Philistines, those people? You never fought Saul. No, says David. But in that victory over Saul, let me tell you what it was. I found Saul one day in a trench asleep. Saul had been trying to kill me. In fact, he had given all of his energy to my death. He was afraid that I'd become king one day, and he already knew that I'd been anointed to become king one day, and he thought that if he could kill me, he could retain the throne. He was also jealous of me because of what the ladies and the children had been singing about how I had slain my tens of thousands, and he had only slain his thousands. He was chasing me around this countryside, and I was running for my life. Not that I couldn't handle, not that I couldn't handle Saul. Good night in the morning, I just defeated Goliath. I could have handled Saul. But he was a king, and I would not lift up my hand against God's anointing. For when God anoints someone, it's not my job to punish him, but it's God's job to take care of his own man. So I fled, not because I was scared that Saul was going to wound me, but so that I would not be tempted to wound Saul myself. So I found him there in that trench one night asleep, had a sword in my hand. I could have easily thrust that sword through the heart of the man that was trying to do the same thing to me. I could have done it. Part of me wanted to, but I didn't. I couldn't. I restrained myself. I held back the sword. And I found out that it took more power to hold the sword back than it did to let it out. So in that victory over Saul, here's what happened. I had a victory over David. I had a victory over myself. Then there was another time that I found him in the same predicament. 1 Samuel 24, 1 through 7, he said, I found him asleep in the cave. He didn't know I was there. I was there with my, all my men, 600 of us there hiding in the caves. He came in, laid himself down. I guess he was tired. He was going to take some rest. And at that time, he had been once again pursuing me. They had just ended a battle with the Philistines. When he came back from the Philistines, he had received word that I was in the mountains of Engadai. As I was there with my 600 men, he recruited 3,000 to come and chase me down. So I found him asleep there in the cave. My men's whispering in my ear, kill him. Cut his head off. I'll do it if you won't do it, David. You have every right to hurt him. You have every right to kill the man that's wanting to kill you. Nobody's going to tell on you. No court's going to rule in, in his judgment. Everybody loves you. Go do it. So as I walk up to him, there he is asleep. It's quiet. You can hear just the sound of a mouse running around through the cave. Sound asleep. I pulled my sword out. And I went down and just cut off a piece of his garment. I took that back to my men. No doubt those men were probably saying, you coward. Why didn't you kill him? Why didn't you get rid of this pest? Why didn't you eliminate him? He's your enemy. I didn't do him no harm. Matter of fact, it convicted me of what I'd done. It hurt me on the inside that I even cut off the piece of the garment of the king's coat or his robe. You can read that in 1 Samuel 24 and see everything that happens there. 
I didn't plunge the sword through the heart of the man that was trying to cut off my own head. He said, I wanted to. I knew no court would rule me guilty because he had hurled his javelin at me and tried to kill me and had given his life to that very mission. That was his mission. Well, what was your greatest victory then? It was the fact that it took more power that night to put the sword back in its sheath than it did to pull it out. My desire to kill him that night was so great that I wanted to kill him. I wanted to plunge that sword through the chest of him, but I held the sword back. And I had a victory over David that night. Or maybe it was the victory I had over Shimei. Shimei? You never did anything to Shimei, David. I understand that. That's where the victory was. For in the darkest hour of my life, when my own son Absalom had rebelled against me, I was fleeing to a place with my people called Manam. The throne was not mine. I didn't wear the crown. I had laid aside the scepter. And I had left the throne and my son had deceitfully taken my place. He had went behind my back and had gotten all the people to fall in love with him. So I decided to take myself and my few followers and flee to Manam. Then out comes this little man named Shimei. And he began to curse at me and he began to spit at me and throw rocks and kick dirt, calling me names and calling and throwing stones. Oh, Abishai, he was ready to go over and chop his head off. He said, he has no right to be cursing my king. I said, no, Abishai, just let him alone. Let God take care of him. I probably deserve it anyway. That was a great victory for me, a victory over David, a victory over myself. Not a victory of attack, but a victory of restraint. Now, being the reporter, kind of shocked. I thought you would have said your greatest victory or victories was when you was a young boy tending to watching your father's sheep out there in the field and out comes a lion and a bear and you go over there and slay them with your own hands. Or maybe even the death of Goliath when you cut off his head. You're telling me that that is not your greatest achievements? No, he answers. My greatest achievement was not pulling out my sword, but rather putting it back. Restraining yourself. My greatest victory is not my fighting, but my refusing to fight. In the Bible, it's called as used as a term temperance. Temperance, able to restrain yourself, controlling, controlling strength, restraining strength, the power to not wrongly use power, controlling oneself. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, as we, get, as we receive the fruits of the Spirit there, temperance happens to be a fruit of the Spirit. These are evidences showing people that you, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in your body, that you're a child of God. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Now where is our fruits of the Spirit? A lot of us, especially in our independent fundamental Baptist movement, we have them mixed up. We think fruits of the Spirit are not smoking, not drinking, not dancing, not listening to worldly music. You know, men not having long hair, or men not wearing earrings, or men not dressing like girls, or girls not looking like boys. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's fundamentalist fruit, if you would say. We need to realize today that the same God who is omnipotent is the same God who restrains His power. He is a long-suffering God. He is a patient God. Good night in the morning the many times that we mess up and fail. Aren't you glad we serve a good, long-suffering God this morning? Most of us, we woke up out of bed and failed. 
And our, our God restrains his power more than he uses his own power. He would, be, he would be justly and he would be right if the first time we made a mistake, said, all right, you're done, come on home. He's long-suffering, he's merciful. He has grace, he's loving. Jesus said while he was on the cross that he could have called to his assistance over 72,000 angels. Put your mind there. The king of heaven, the number one son, God's only begotten, is being beaten, scourged, whipped, spit at, talked about, made fun of, and all the while those 72,000 angels are sitting there and ready just for one command. Just please call me to come. They can't be doing that to my master. They can't be doing that to our king. What is he doing? What's going on? How can they put their hands on that person? How can they put, the, put their hands on our king? How can, they, how can we allow it to be crucified? The angels did not fully understand redemption's plan. So they didn't have to be redeemed. They were already there. And at a moment's notice, Jesus said, you know what? It's not worth it. These people ain't worth it. They don't appreciate me. They don't love me. They don't like me. They don't know who I am. They don't know where I come from. They don't know what I'm doing here. They don't know how much I love them. God, send me 72,000 angels. It would have been over. We wouldn't have had redemption. Would have been no salvation. He could have called them. They would have wiped out everyone. But Jesus refused to use that power. He restrained himself from calling these angels. That's the greatest power known to man. In other words, think of it this way. The levee is more powerful than the flood. And we've seen plenty of flood in the last couple of days. But I got to thinking about flooding. And, and once, the, once the water becomes so powerful, and you can't restrain it back anymore, and it breaks loose, it makes a mess. We get into messes when we can't restrain ourselves anymore. And somebody gets us and I'm going to get them back. And we get them back. And you tore up lives. And we make a mess. You don't know what they said about me. I'm going to blast them apart on Facebook and let everybody in the world know what's going on. Please don't do that. Don't use Facebook as a place to vent your anger. Please. We're living in a society today that likes to hide behind the keyboard and won't talk to people face to face. People say things on Facebook they won't say to somebody eyeball to eyeball. We've lost the art of communication these days. We're cowering behind our screens and our, and our iPads and our iPhones and our Androids and our computers. We'll blast somebody away and, and if we get 100 likes then it was okay. The levee was more powerful than the flood. The dam's more powerful than the river. The brake is more powerful than the accelerator. The anvil is more powerful than the hammer. The switch is more powerful than the electricity. A restraining power. We're talking about temperance, restraint. In other words, it's blessing those who curse you and not cursing them back. It's praying for those who despitefully use you and not trying to hurt them. As we was teaching the teens this morning, it's loving your enemies. Restraining power. It's returning good for evil. It's doing good to those who hate you and not doing bad to them. It's when you have the power to re retaliate and you withhold that power. 
I promise you, it takes more power to do that than it does to retaliate. The easy thing is to let them have it. It takes more of a person, it takes more character just to swallow it and say it's not worth it. It's not worth our testimony. It's when you've been smitten on one cheek and you turn the other. It's recompensing no man evil for evil. It's not going, it's, it's feeding your hungry enemy rather than wanting them to starve to death. It's refusing to seek vengeance because that's God's business. All these things are in the Bible, by the way. It's called self-control. It's a boss not acting out in haste to fire an employee. It's a preacher not lashing out from the pulpit to hurt someone who's hurt them. It's a stranger, it's the stronger giving in to the weaker. It's the offended spouse staying pleasant when mistreated. It's your forgiving a debt that someone refuses to pay. It's God telling Abraham that if he could find ten righteous, that he'll withhold his judgment and fire and brimstone from Sodom and Gomorrah. It's in the days of Noah for God holding back for 120 years his judgment while Noah was trying to preach and build the ark. Restraining power. If David were here today, I'm sure he would say that it took more courage to withhold the sword than it did for me to pull it out. When a man that was trying to kill me was just lying there asleep and I stood there in front of him and I could have killed him, no court would have convicted me for it, but I didn't. To withhold power when it is wrong, to use it is the strongest power that we have in this universe. Biblically, it's the stronger Esau withholding himself from the weaker Jacob. Even though he stole his birthright and even though he stole his blessing, then later on in life he forgave him for all the wrong he had done. It's a stronger, more powerful Joseph not refusing to give food to his brothers while he was ruler there in Egypt. Even though they did not even recognize him when they stood before him. Even though they had sold him into slavery years earlier, he had grew up separated from his family. He grew up separated without a mother to console him and a father how to teach him how to be a man. Now he is in a position next to the chain of command. He has the ability to get revenge and let his brothers starve to death. He could have cast them into a deep, dark dungeon of a prison. He could have had every opportunity to get back at them, but that's not what happened. All those years he was in prison, all those times he was away from his family, nights of tears, nights of loneliness. I'm sure he thought of his family and his brothers and their jealousy and all that they had done to him while he was there in that deep dark dungeon but he didn't he refuses he denies himself he restrains himself and he restores fellowship back with his brothers and his family he was next in the chain of command and his brothers come walking in and he about breaks out in tears he had to run and get behind the curtain they didn't know what was going on they thought maybe he was sick had a stomach bug I don't know but there's his chance they sold me into slavery. Now it's time to get them back. Have an opportunity to get them back. But it wasn't in him. Many of us have been in that position. In the position where we'd have, if we'd have been in that same spot, we'd have, you know what, away with them. Send them to prison. It's what they deserve. He could have done that. Had every right to. Joseph had the keys to the pantry in a famine. He also had the power and the right to kill all of them. But he withheld all that. And he restrained himself. It's the prodigal son coming home and the father placing a robe on his back. 
a new pair of shoes on his feet, a ring on his finger, and having a party for him to welcome him home. When he could have said, you know what, you dirty, stingy rat. You brought reproach to my name. You brought reproach to your name, your family's name. You took my hard-earned money, and you went out and wasted it on righteous living. But he didn't do that. He ran to his son and hugged and kissed him on his neck. He said, my wayward son has come home. Let's throw a party. Some of us in times past have had the power to get revenge on someone that has done us wrong. But we restrained ourselves, and that's more powerful than getting revenge. Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 32 reminds us that he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. In our, in our land and in, in our fundamentalism, there needs to be an emphasis on God's people holding back their revenge and holding back retaliation and holding back vengeance. It does more damage than it has ever done good. You say, but you don't know what they've done to me. No, I don't. When you think about it, was it really that bad? Think about Jesus' life. Somebody said something bad about you, was it really that bad? Did they mock you? Did they persecute you wrongfully? Did they beat you with a cat of nine tails? Did they, did they strip you naked from your garments? Did they place a crown of thorns upon your head? Did they beat you till you was unrecognizable as a man? I know we're human and so does the Lord and the, the, natural retaliate, the natural thing for us to do is to retaliate. Just how we're bred. We have to be taught how not to. But if my heavenly Father can forgive me for what I did to His only Son, can we not also forgive anyone else for what they've done to us? Jesus took all that shame and rejection because He loved me. Because He loves you. Jesus took all the beating, all the, he took the nails in his hands and his feet because he loved you. He took on the sins of the whole entire world that we might be saved. He watched them cast lots for his garment, make fun of his name, spit at him, curse him. If you're the king, why don't you come on down off of that cross then, if you say who you are? When we're portraying that in the drama scene in our Christmas drama, that is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. As Kevin, was, Kevin who's playing Jesus, as he's coming across and having to sit down here as an angry mob and, and mock him and call him names. That hurt. That hurt me just up here portraying it. So I was just playing. Yeah, but he's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's exactly who he said he was. He stood there on the cross, 72,000 angels at his command, and watched him cast lots for his garment, gambling on his very clothes that he had on. They cursed him, spit at him, wagged their heads and made comments toward him. Matthew 27, 39 through 44 gives us this story. But Jesus at any point in time could have gotten down off that cross. He could have called the 12 legions of angels to wipe out everybody on the entire planet that was around there at that time. He could have said, these people are not worth it. They don't, they're not worth the trouble. They don't even know who I am or what I am doing here. They don't appreciate me. They don't love me. They don't recognize me for who I am. But Jesus knew that if he walked away, redemption's plan was gone. He's the only one that could satisfy God. He's the only sacrifice that could have ever been made. 
But I'm thankful this morning that he didn't come down off that cross because he knew that Ken Horsley was going to need a Savior. Thousands of years on down the road, he knew that somebody was saved. He knew that Jimmy Caldwell was going to need to be saved. He knew that a Rodney Adams was going to need the Lord. He knew that the entire world needed salvation. And if he came off of that cross, the plan was over. That's why when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he got under such prayer that when he was praying, he prayed, God, if it be, why, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He knew what he was going to have to face. He knew what he was going to have to take. He knew how bad the sin of mankind was. Realize Jesus never knew sin. He didn't know what it was to sin. And can you imagine at that point when the sins of the entire world was poured upon him? And at that point, God turns his back on his only begotten because he can't fellowship with sin. Jesus never knew what it was like to be separated from God. He didn't come down because he knew we needed a Savior. He restrained himself. Come on up to the piano, Brother Jimmy. Get us a song ready this morning. He restrained himself so that we could have eternal life. I don't know your heart in here this morning. Let's all stand. For the Christian this morning, where are we at? He said, boy, I'm going to get them back. You sure have wronged me. I understand. I've been there. But I promise you, it's better to hold back. It's better to restrain yourself. I don't know how the Lord spoke to your heart today. Maybe you got something you need to lay down on this altar this morning and give it to the Lord. Maybe there's a situation that only He can handle. Say, God, I'd just soon smack this person and I had to talk to them again. Ask God to help you. I found out in my life that if I just sit back and allow God to do the work, everything comes out better. Hey, I've went before God. I've gotten, I've gotten ahead of Him a time or two. And I made a mess and I hurt some feelings and I hurt some people's lives. But I found it was far better to let Him fight my battles for me. They said, David, why didn't you kill King Saul? It wasn't my job to do that. That was God's man. That was God's anointed. He said, I will not lift up my hand against God's anointed. God, forgive me for cutting off that piece of garment the king's robe. And then that very act of kindness, if you read it in the scriptures, you find out that it really pierced Saul's heart. And he called David his own son and began to weep uncontrollably. He said, Thou art more righteous than I am. In other words, he said, David, you're a better person than I am. He said, Why don't you come on back home, my son?
Maybe you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your Savior. When he was hanging on that cross, he was hanging there for you. When he poured out all his blood there on Calvary's Hill, it was poured out there for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you would like to receive Christ as your Savior. I beg and plead with you, come on down here this morning. I'll meet you here front and center and I'll have somebody. If you're a lady, we'll have a lady show you through the Word of God how you can know Christ as Savior. Has he spoken to your heart here today? If he has, why don't you come on forward? Now's the time. Don't put it off till tomorrow or later today. We're not promised that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. For all those of us in here this morning that knows Christ is our Savior, why don't you just give it by a raise of a hand and let me know that you know you're on your way to heaven. Lift it up high and wave it around. Thank God I'm saved. For that one in here this morning may be lost, does not know Christ as Savior. You've never received Him as your Lord and Savior. Nobody's looking, just me and you. If you just raise your hand and let me know, I just want to know how to pray for you. For somebody in here like that today, you sort by lifting up your hand. Anyone? Anywhere? Heavenly Father, God, as we think about it this morning, Lord, help us to be mindful, God, to restrain ourselves from retaliation. God, to help us to realize that our character means more than getting back at somebody. God, we're a child of God, and all those around us know it. God, as we go out here in this world, and this world sure is hateful and mean and nasty, help us, Lord, to show people the love of God in our hearts. God, when we do things like that, you say in the Bible, it's like heaping coals of fire upon their head. And Father, it's natural for us to retaliate. And it's not natural for someone to see that someone that's heard good for evil. Kind of takes them back. God, I sure am glad that you stayed on the cross. You carried on with salvation's plan. God, so that you could redeem all of mankind. Father, thank you, this Lord, for this morning, Lord, for Jesus. God, just thank you for an opportunity to look into your word. God, I pray, Lord, you bless the people being faithful to your house this morning. God, I pray you give them all a safe journey home. God, bring us back tonight. Looking forward to what you're going to have for us. God, be with our pastor and his family, Lord, as they travel or having a vacation, a time of rest and relaxation. God, I pray, Lord, Jesus, give them a good week. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning for Jesus. It's in his name we do pray. Amen. If you joined in, Jimmy and Ashley being here with us this morning, why don't you just give them a good hand? <clears throat> I ask you to come back tonight. I'll be preaching again at 6 o'clock. we got a message for us tonight. Who's sitting at your table? Who's sitting at your table? I pray you come back tonight. Meet with us. Heavenly Father, help us now as we go our separate ways. God, give us a safe journey home. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.